Welcome, everyone, to episode 17 of the Community Cloudcast. I'm your host, Eric Schups, joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Paul McCollum. Hello, hello. Thank you all for joining us for another monthly episode of the Community Cloudcast. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping as we get started here. A reminder that you can join us every third Thursday of the month on our YouTube channel and on Facebook. Uh, and also something, Paul, that you had posted out to the Facebook uh, page last month. We are now on all the major podcasting platforms. i uh, got a link here to the Spotify, but we're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and uh, you name it. I think we're on it. Yeah. Wherever you consume stuff, we're there. So if you'd rather hear us jabber as you're driving or running or biking or whatever it is you're doing when you're on the go, uh, you can go out and grab the podcast. We try and post it within 24 hours, usually, of the uh, video going out, uh, however long it takes to uh, encode it and get it out there and publish to the services. So um, check your RSS feeds for that. Want to, of course, thank our sponsors, as we do every month. Can't do the podcast without them. Uh, you can visit uh, www.aptogent.com to learn more about Power Tools. Uh, last month had a big announcement of our PowerSpark offering, uh, which is aimed at enterprises who are trying to get their automation efforts uh, up and running uh, and gain adoption and get a cleared focus on where they want to go uh, with their overall automation investments. You can check that out as well at aptogent.com and learn more about that. So our topic this month is cloud certifications uh, related, of course, to your typical technology type of certifications. But of course, this is a cloud show, so we want to talk about um, cloud certifications specifically, um, what they are, what they cost, uh, why you would want one, uh, what it really takes to get them, and what you can expect in the marketplace from having a cloud certification. Paul, this is a topic that comes up literally all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. as, especially as we're talking to people that are maybe in another discipline or they're looking to get into the technology space. I talk a lot to folks just coming out of school uh, and, you know, they've got a computer science degree. They're looking to get into the marketplace and they discover that everybody's asking for these certification things um, and trying to figure out how to get their head around that and, and what to do. And of course, it always comes up in interviews. Yeah, for sure. I, it's uh and it's always interesting every time there's a gold rush and a new hot technology comes out, uh, there's a influx of people wanting to get into it and the cert value proposition goes all over the place. Uh, do you have to have them before you start? Are they something to say that you're going from level one to level two? Um, yeah, no, it's it's kind of crazy. And the answer is depends on the time of the day, time of the week and the, where it is on the hype cycle. Uh, but, yeah, we can kind of uh, talk through how to uh, what we've been through. Yeah. So let's start with putting some boundaries around this conversation and in, in terms of what really is the purpose of these cloud um, certifications. There's I've had conversations where there's some confusion about is this a. Uh, you know, like a university type of course. Are you going to get some sort of credit um, from it? And perhaps there are those out there. But really, um, I just threw down a couple of bullet points that that came to the top of my head about what the real purpose of these things is. And the, the first thing that always occurs to me when we're talking about certifications is um, it, it's not about so much proving um, 
a breadth of knowledge or very deep knowledge, even in a particular subject, but more about creating an objective baseline that says these are the standard things that people, uh, practitioners of this particular discipline would be expected to know. Uh, it's, I hesitate to even call it a credential. It's not a credential as we think of, you know, professional type of credentials, but to a certain degree, it tells an interviewer or, or someone uh, who's assessing your capabilities that, that you have um, demonstrated a certain level of practical working knowledge. And, and sometimes that validates the real world experience that you have. Sometimes in a lot of cases, it doesn't, we should talk about that. Um, and, provides a bit of a comparative marketplace ranking in terms of, well, I have a senior practitioner certificate and or I have a junior or associate uh, to put it in into educational uh, type of terms. But there, there are various rankings in these types of certificates that um, give you some idea of what the level of knowledge of the individual um, has attained or, or demonstrated. Uh, agree, disagree, other points that you... Yeah, with the I, I would disagree maybe with the first one because some, like the CISSP is a really good cert to have, but it is more about breadth and concepts mm -hmm. than it is about actual practice. Uh, valuable, valuable certification, um, but not, you know, it, it's more of understanding a body of knowledge and being able to bring that with you at whatever, you know, you can become a, you can be using security background, uh, common body knowledge concepts in Azure or in Salesforce or in, um, you know, in different platforms. So they're, they're less specific and more broad. And CISSP is one of those that's very well known for being a mile wide and an inch deep. Okay. But uh, yeah, I agree on the technical credentials. There's, and there's two other aspects. Then first, so we're seeing this a lot in the Salesforce community where um, the design versus the design of the certification. And I agree when you're talking about passing an exam, that being a certification and being the same thing as a credential. Uh, I think there is a spectrum of that concept. And I hope that's I think a really good topic for this conversation. Uh, once passing a test is worth money, people are going to find a way to mass cheat at it. And then your certification is not the same thing as a credentialing. Now, there's some that are harder uh, to cheat at and they're more hands-on and they're in-person and they're panel interviews. And those are more actual credentials. I've earned this. I've gone through this school. I've had to prove that I know this to people that you can go check with as opposed to I passed an online uh, multiple choice test or somebody did for me and I, I got it done. Um, and I, I think that's the wide variety. And then with Salesforce, and, and you can help me speak, and some of these others we know for sure, some of the certifications are designed to show that you've been working in a field for a certain number of years. Um, like the, the PD1, uh, the, the platform developer one for Salesforce, they say very specifically, you should have been a platform developer in that role full time for two years before attempting this credential, this certification. Um, yet it's required for interns to pass that job or to get that job as an intern to have that certification to show that they've studied up. Um, and have been able to pass that test, even though that test is supposed to ask a bunch of questions that require you to have been doing that. 
there's not supposed to be. Yep, it's A. Um, it's, oh, yeah, I ran into that. I know what this is. I know when you would get to this and when you wouldn't use it. And because I've been doing that and I have that experience, I know that it's, well, it's not B and it's not C. So it's probably A. And you're able to narrow those down as opposed to just have been taught that answer from rote memorization or from a class without having brought the experience along. Um, so again, speaking to Salesforce, Salesforce has started uh, bifurcating their exams to where they're doing, this is your intro thing that says you've read all the documentation. This is your experienced one. So if recruiters are looking for people to come in and take an entry-level job, they shouldn't be expecting uh, truthfully gained experience-level certification. So sorry, long, long diatribe on that. Well, but this brings up a really important point uh, about certifications and and you know we may as well jump into the the deep end of the barrel first uh, here and that is that certifications don't in and of themselves actually prove that you know what you're doing they proved as you stated that they passed the test or at least the way most sort of technical certifications are structured today um that's the case so i always hold up the gold standard in my head has always been the cisco ccse exam uh, which I took back in the day. Um, and the Cisco it, which? The Cisco CCSE. Um, CCSE? Exam. Okay. Yeah. So that was the the top of the stack as far as technical certifications were concerned. If you could get the CCSE, you could write your ticket um, to any networking job uh, anywhere. Yeah. CCIE and, is, is uh, along the same tiers, I believe. Sorry, CCIE, not CCSE, CCIE. Um, so it was very hard to do. Um, it was, I remember being on user groups for people getting together, trying to find places we could rent time. Oh, do you have this router? Do you have, um, um, this switch? You know, how can we get some time on these things, uh, to go and practice all these exercises and whatnot. And, and it was, uh, really hard, very expensive, um, at the time and difficult to do. And part of the reason that it, it retains so much value and probably still does to this day, I don't know if I've been out of that space for quite some time was, most of the test was practical hands-on. Very little of the test. There was stuff on the test about networking and you know concepts and that stuff, but most of those were on the lead up um, to that, right? The the CCNE and then I think it was the CCSP and then it was the CCIE um, at the top. But the CCIE was almost all hands-on practical uh, knowledge. So it by gaining that certification, that credential, as it were. Um, it proved that you actually knew hands-on how to do this stuff because there is no way you could get that credential without being able to uh, jump into iOS um, and make it happen. Uh, whereas the certifications these days, by and large, especially in the Microsoft space, and I'm sure it's, I've looked at some of the Google exams that are very similar, are all about, can you memorize the objective domain for the test? Can you regurgitate the, the answers right on a proctored uh, exam? I understand for scale, you have to do it that way, but the times that they have tried to go um, back to sort of that gold standard of practical knowledge, i.e. the MCM, which was one of the best courses that that Microsoft has ever produced, um, they couldn't scale it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so it died on the vine because uh, you just, it was too much of an investment, too much time, um, and there was no way to practically, there was only a handful of people that could teach it, number one. Um, and so difficult to pass. So I'm 
I, I hesitated before I even typed that second bullet point about technical credentials. I knew you were going to call me out on it. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure I even agree with that bullet point today. I'm sure there are some exams that provide um, a quote unquote credential. I'm not sure the ones that by and large we're getting these days actually do that. How many people have we talked to, especially in an interviewing capacity, that have a uh, certification but don't actually have any practical experience doing anything? Mm hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, I, I, I tend to look down on candidates that don't have practical experience, but have somehow passed an exam that requires practical experience. Like, okay, that sounds like bad work ethic, or somebody convinced you to study all, memorize a bunch of material uh, that you probably can't have known how to, uh, how to apply. So they, they can kind of hurt you if, if I'm doing the interview and it's, yeah, I passed these 13 exams, but I can't talk about them. Um, it'll, I, I think they, they do, they should establish, they should bring you above the, I don't have any certifications level, but the immediate next thing you'd need to be able to do is pass an initial interview that shows that you know and can apply those and put that there. And then you, you win a little bit of the numbers game. I don't think, I think you use it to differentiate, not to authorize or certify. Mm. Well, let's talk about that last point because I think this bears some discussion and that is with varying levels of certification, right? Um, it is exceptionally tempting, of course, when you're trying to, to hire somebody to say, I want someone with the top level of certification, but, but maybe you don't uh, actually want that. Maybe you're looking for a junior uh, type of person or you're looking someone for someone who's trainable and you want to establish that they understand the lexicon, right? The, the overall technical surface in terms of uh, this is the sphere that we're working in and these are the boundaries we have around it and these are the products or the technologies, right? And we can all talk the same language. So, so there's that certain level of you understand what a I'm just going to throw out some terms, what a container is, right? You understand what a virtual machine image is. You understand what, what we mean when we're talking about virtual networking and um, uh, things of that nature. So it establishes some discussion, but I'm not always sure that, that this ranking system translates to the person with the top level tier of that certificate is actually the person that you want for the position. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's some certifications. I, I wouldn't hire a CCIE um, for an entry level business analyst position, I, I would, I'd have some serious, yeah, that would go to the top of my pile. And why is this person looking for a job? But I'd spend a whole lot of time on that interview trying to figure out why this overqualified person, uh, was applying for my low level job and what's going on. And if, if there was some special case, somebody who, who had that level of skill and they were on the market, if, even if I hired them, I'd assume that they'd be getting a different job or a better job. Uh, in half an hour. Mm. So you want to, your, your certificates and your, your credentials need to match the job you're applying for and not oversell you or undersell where you actually are. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a, a fair point. Um, I think at the end of the day, people shouldn't be misled when they're looking at the certification path. Um, and they should understand that practical experience always wins the day. If you have 10 years, of, let's go back to the Cisco example. If you have 10 years doing networking and routers and firewalls at for um, hosting providers, right? Working in a knock, 
Um, and, and you know, you've never touched the iOS uh, uh, WYSIWYG UI because you're a real router jockey, right? Um, and uh, you, you can rattle off, uh, uh, you know, the difference between uh, BGP and, and all the different, um, uh, you know, routing protocols and, and whatnot off the top of your head uh, because you've done them hands-on. It doesn't matter whether you have a certificate or not. Right. When you walk into that interview, the question is, can you get to the interview without the certification? And that's a relevant point because all the people recruiting for jobs are going to make these minimum barriers to entry. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. I think that that validation network uh, being, yeah, call the guy who wrote the exam, call the woman who wrote the book on the exam. She knows that I know my stuff. That's my chain of, of authority or my chain of knowledge. That's my credential. And, but it takes a while to get there. So there's, there's always, you know, my, I don't need it. If my reputation is such that I've written, you know, uh, LaShawn Carter, rest in peace. Uh, um, or, sorry. Um, LaShawn, maybe it's Carter LaShawn, um, that wrote the CISSP book. She doesn't need to take the CIA and she wrote the book on it. If she let her certification lapse, her name is still her credential and she has a reputation to uh, to trade on or she would have. Um, so you don't need it if you already have the body of knowledge, if you've already built your reputation up to that. And then that chain of of who knows what I know and I can refer you to somebody that can vouch for me. To me, that's a lot more trustable than the intro exams and the, uh, the online exams and stuff that people are trying to go through. The, the proctored ones, amazing. You're bona fide when you had the MCM, when you have the CCIE, when you have the Salesforce CTA, um, those that are done by panel. And if you can validate that somebody has that, that's your chain of authority for, for their experience. Everything else, it gets muddier as you go further down. And that's where it gets really hard, I think, to place a value on it. Um, the people that are already doing the job, why do they need the certification? Um, if I have my role, why do I need to spend 30 extra bucks to keep my current job? If my job's not incentivizing me to continue those learnings, then there's no reason for me to do that. And therefore, the certification holders start to skew down to the inexperienced as opposed to the in, the experienced that actually may have warranted the cert, depending on the level, um, that, that aren't incentivized because they're not in the market. They're not having to hunt for it. Um, and I, I, th I think we'll see a market swing as, as uh, the economy kind of resettles. Um, you know, Amazon laid off, I think, uh, quite a few thousand people uh, today in Seattle. And I think um, you'll see a rise in certification and you'll see some higher bars set uh, for interviewers to place that. And th those certs are an easy tagging for recruiters to go out and find people that that need it. You'd have to read through the paragraphs of your my resume to find out that where we're whatever the equivalent of multi-cloud is in CTA or, you know, or at MCM. Uh, but if we, if there was a multi-cloud senior bald person uh, certification and we had that, we'd be much easier to find. <laughs> yeah. Then, fair point. And um, I, 
practical knowledge, I think we both agree, doesn't uh, win out at the end of the day. I'm not sure that you have to go as far as, you know, establishing a reputation to get there. I think a technical interview um, it usually proves your mettle there. But to your point, uh, you may not be able to get there if you can't cross the minimum yeah. bar. If you're not findable, right? If you're not searchable in the database, because it's scale. Um, it's yeah, exactly like you said with MC with uh, scaling exams, scaling recruiting. There may be a thousand, you know, a hundred thousand candidates that can do what I do, but there's five million job seekers. Mm -hmm. I've only got time to sift through one percent, and the one percent I'm going to find, uh, I if I can narrow my focus based on a buzzword or SEO, which is what some of these certs are for your resume. Uh, they help get you into that search result so that people that only know, yeah, look for PD1 certs, look for AWS, uh, you know, DB, look for MongoDB certs, mm -hmm. as opposed to look for someone with experience at managing a team of NoSQL experts to do a high performance. Yeah, that's too long and will only show up as a sentence match. The yeah, that's a really good point because I think we, that adds a fifth bullet point here that says findability, right? You, you exactly. have to be able to pass the search filters um, to get there. If you don't have the the level of recognition, say, that we would have, a name recognition where a simple Google search will say, oh, yeah, this guy's the real deal. Uh, perfect example. I wrote, I shouldn't say I wrote, I participated in the writing and development uh, of several of the Microsoft SharePoint certifications over the years. Um, I participated in the authoring of training uh, for uh, a number of Microsoft initiatives around uh, SharePoint. Uh, ECM comes to mind. We did a ton of work on the ECM uh, project, uh, getting that out there. I didn't take any of the certifications. Yeah. To this day, I don't have a SharePoint certification, right? Um, and yet I was part of the team that wrote the material for the certifications, right? I yep. created uh, a number of the questions uh, uh, for that and and defined the objective domain and and determined what the learning path. I was in the group that determined what you would skills you would need to become certified in this thing, right? Yep. Um, uh, I'll bring up know, a, not, a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say not to mention the the you know participation with the folks who did deliver the MCM uh, training, uh, you know, in technical validation and discussions and and all that sort of stuff. So it's none of that would show up though on a database search. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's almost a hindering factor, I suppose, at the at the front end of that fire hose, if I don't have the ability to just pass that filter. So so I see the certifications as a thing to ask me about, and I use them as SEO for what they are. I put what certifications I have. I also put what certifications I'm studying for, mm -hmm. just so that if somebody wants to mm -hmm. find somebody in that vein, they can look and see, hey, here's where I'm on the pathway. I show up on the search, but they can refine and see, are they looking for somebody who's trying to get it? Are they looking for somebody who's casually studying for it? They can refine from there, but I use that kind of to tag my profile so that I'm findable. Um, other point I was going to bring up that we don't have is longevity uh, of this value of certification. So I still, I had the WSS 2007 SharePoint certification. That did me good for about a half hour until 
the 2007 version of SharePoint or you know 2010 version of came out. I got WSS in 2009. SharePoint 2010 came out right after that. There was not a an extension model of just go recertify or upgrade your this to that. I think they started to do that with some of the MCITP certifications for like SQL Server and uh, some of the other systems. There was a, okay, now add Azure to your SharePoint or add 2013 to your SharePoint certification. But you have to be aware of whether or not that investment in time is also going to pay off long term. A lot of mine you can just go set on fire because they weren't extended um, and they were very specific to versions. Well, so let's talk about that. Um, so, so you brought up a bit about the process there and, and what it takes. Uh, what does it really cost to get one of these certifications? And and for purposes of this, this discussion, let's say it's not the intro level. Let's say we're talking about going and getting, you know, following the full certification path, right? And becoming a, a you know, certified architect or, or, you know, one of these higher level certifications, right? So assume we're going through the stepping stones. What does it cost to get there? Well, uh, there's a number of aspects to that. The actual cost of certifications, dollars laid out of pocket for a cert is minimal, right? You're paying for the exam to go to a testing center, right? Um, and take the exam. Heck, it can even be free. You go to, I don't know if Salesforce does this at, at um, their big event every year, but I know Microsoft used to do it at TechEd and and uh, ignite. You could walk in and take certifications. So, right. are you? Right so, you, you started me with. I, I thought I heard when you started. You're talking about these real architect certifications versus the exam-based certifications. So, the exam-based ones are the ones that are free or online. The architect ones, like the CCIE or MCM or CTA, are panel in person. So, I yeah, think they're, they're very not big anymore. Okay, some, only some. You can, go through, you can go through the entire Microsoft chain of certifications, except for a very small few, and it's all exam-based. Okay. Um, so I would say that the series... Well, so the MCM and the CTA ones are not... Those, to me, are the serious architect certifications uh, because they have that in-person, hands-on component that goes along with them. Okay, but that's so a very... Say, yeah, agreed. Okay. But that's a very small number of the certification space, right? So when I say a, you know, we're going for the the top tier, I don't mean all the way up in the stratosphere. Let's take it, you know, a step down and say. Okay. You know, well, I think you're, so technically you're talking everything practice. except those all the way back to the uh, the online courses and the, the free certifications, right? Just want to make sure we're in the same ballpark. Except the introductory space. ones, except maybe the first tier ones, right? Okay. The, the sort of associate type of things. Let's. Okay. Those are pretty simple, but let's talk about the meat and potatoes where most people uh, would go, okay. right? Um, the the cost of actually get, taking the exams and whatnot is minimal. Um, even the panel-based ones, you're not paying for the time of the whole panel, right? Um, uh, so you're not plunking down $25,000 to pay for everyone's time to sit and interview you for a day. Oh, yeah. Um, for the Salesforce one, you are. I mean, uh, it's it's like ten dollars or $15,000, I think. The MCM, I think, had a similar cost. It, it did. Know. Yeah, correct. Um, but for, by and large, um, those aren't the costs of most of the certification. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking, yeah, I'll accept those. Yep, okay. Um, but... There's an assumption here that you can just buy some materials, right? Which has a cost, obviously, associated with it. You may need some books. You may need some, uh, you know, online type of materials uh, that you need. 
uh, obviously it's clouds. So you're going to have to have some type of subscription, right? That, so you can actually get into play with, with these things. Uh, and I think there's an assumption that you can just go get those things and, and with a study guide, prepare for the test. And maybe that's true for some of the certifications, but I don't think that the higher you move up the stack, I think that becomes less and less true that you actually need either some structured training or guidance or you know, workshopping hands-on stuff to get there. And I don't think my experience telling me that just going out and getting the trials to, let's say you have an Azure trial or, or you know, a trial of Salesforce or something is not sufficient to get you to those upper levels. There's some investment that you're going to have to make, whether it's um, you're using your employer, current employer, um, and their you know, cloud surface to do that, or if you're paying for it on your own, and if you're paying for it on your own, it may not be cheap. Yeah, to get to get exposure to some of those models, I, I, I'm a weird case. I've taken some of those middle range architect certifications for Salesforce. And for the most part, the it's the tools are the same, but the the load and presentation of why you would need to do this uh, has to do with having uh, an org with millions of records in it. And you don't get that for free. Um, mm -hmm. You can read about that philosophy and therefore pass the exam. It might not be as easy if you as if you've had experience facing those particular circumstances. So um, I would say you can get any knowledge from books. Uh, it's uh, it's better one and more lasting if it's from actual experience. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's nothing, I learn a lot about architecture stuff by listening to other people and I can translate those to the exam I'm taking, even if it's not from something I've had, you know, direct hands-on experience with. Uh, but your, your point is valid that you really, you can't get that experience, but you might be able to get that knowledge that came from that experience from a book or listening to the right people. Uh, there. So just counterpoint to that. Your, your point is fair, though. Well, let's talk about training for a moment, because, you know, obviously there's in all these segments, there's lots of people providing training that is specifically geared around certification pass. Right. You take this this training to get this certification. Right. Um, and you're, I would think, most of the time learning from someone who either has that certification. I know in the Microsoft space, I think this way it used to be. I, I think it's still this way. Maybe not. But um, if you wanted to teach, say, an MCSA, you had to have an MCSA. Right? <laughs> um, so there's a certain level of, of the instructor has this body of knowledge. And hopefully that instructor also has real world you know, experience uh, in that particular um, discipline uh, that provides you information you wouldn't get if you're just reading books or certainly gives you context and scenarios and uh, situations that add flavor to that. To your learning. But my question is, is training necessary? Or do you think you can just go crack open some materials and say, I'm just going to go for it? For the average person? For the average person? Man, it, it depends. There may be a question that I'm, I'm not assuming uh, for this for, for slice of the topic. It depends. Are you wanting, if you, so with what you said, you're getting training to go to a certification. Um, if the body of knowledge of that certification is well known and enough people have taken that to be able to influence what is taught in a training course, which is how to answer the questions that are asked in the cert. Um, to me, that's only a step or two away from having uh, brain dumps and 
just memorizing the answers of people who've taken the test previously. If you're only teaching the topics because you know those topics or those specific scenarios are covered in the test and you're not teaching the experience in the training class to do the job that you're trying to get that the training certification is supposed to be a validation for, um, it's hard to say. Um, so yes and no. I, I think if it's an intro or a get me a job cert and that's what it's understood as, um, and there's the honesty, the, the the genuine match of what this is supposed to show and what the cert says it shows. And that course is supposed to teach me the bare minimal and not teach me to fool a test to say that I know more than the bare minimal. Because if that more than the bare minimal certification is worth money, you are asking people to come in and abuse the scenario. Um, so it's... It's the value, the draw, the lure of the money, the, you know, what it's worth will uh, will engender some kind of disingenuous versions of it. And I cheating on the test versus teaching direct, just straight to the test. If the test says intro body of knowledge and I know all the basic concepts, that's a great cert. But if it says data architect, but there's only roughly 20 questions and somebody teaches me how to answer the the 20 questions that usually show up on the data architecture exam. Did I really learn it? Am I a true data architect or is am I some very narrow slice of data architecture concept memorization? Well, and that's the point I was going for, that not all training is created equal. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That, that if you are looking for a training course that simply um, teaches to the test and, and what I would advise people is if you look at the training curriculum, right? And you look at the test requirements um, the, that are needed to pass it and all of the test list, you know, the, the bullet points that you need to know. This is what the certification covers, right? Here's all your bullet points. If the training course matches that exactly, don't take that training course. Exactly, yeah. That, that's my experience. That doesn't, certainly that's not a one size fits all, right? Because sometimes people just aren't good at marketing materials and aren't sure what to put on there. But I'm, I'm looking for a training of an instructor who has a lot of field experience, a lot of real world knowledge that, yes, we're teaching you to pass this exam, but we're also we've got a bunch of bullet points on, say, um, you know, customer scenarios, and real world environments and tips and tricks learned and especially things not to do. Right? Mm -hmm. if, if if the course curriculum description includes a lot of that stuff, I'm way more interested than if it just says, here's the bullet points we're teaching. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you and I are at a point in our careers where we're not looking. Our our resumes will probably get us into more interviews. We're not interviewing for that. Uh, there's 10 million applicants for this job, and you've got to rise above it with by hook or by crook. We're we're in a little bit of a smaller segment, and we're not right now fighting for those interviews. So we're much more interested. And our focus, and it's much more valuable for us to be able to have a conversation because we can already get the interview because we're in a smaller pool and we're a little in rare air and we, we've we got some credentials behind or some experience behind us that can be validated. So that is high, much higher value to you and I than it is to if I take this training and I know more, I still can't differentiate myself from the 700 other people that are applying for this job right now. I need something that helps me right now today, mm. not in that job I don't have yet. And I think that is that's the the dividing line for kind of what we're talking about and 
the different types of certs. Well, and that's not something that's going to come just from having a certification, right? It's it's not something that sets you apart. It really is that real world experience that sets you apart. Um, and as a hiring manager, I'm looking for candidates who have that base level of knowledge. Certifications are okay. I usually don't pay that much attention to them, but um, I'm really looking for the person who went and got an entry level job at um, Amazon, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Somewhere on the AWS team, it doesn't even matter where. Uh, and then they parlayed that into getting their certifications uh, right and working their way up the chain. And right now they're a support engineer, but their aspiration is to be an architect. And they, they've gone and uh, learned and studied and are taking those exams. And that, that's the type of person I'm looking for that, that's obviously not just a test taker, right? They're committed to that path uh, going down. But let's, let's talk about the last bullet because this is the important one. And that is time because doing these things can take a lot of time. For sure. Yep. And the further you go up that stack, the more of a time investment you're going to have to make. In fact, I would argue, other than those those rarefied air ones we talked about earlier that you mentioned, the top level architect type of stuff, like the um, MCM and, and the other ones you were referring to, uh, those cost a lot of dollars out of pocket. Um, but And they also cost a lot of time or require a lot of time. But most of these certifications don't require that much of an investment, but they sure do require an investment in time. And I think people underestimate the amount of time commitment that they have to make to see these things through. It has to be focused time. It's not stuff you can just do for 30 minutes a day, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you can get the certification and, and, and have not put in enough time to get the body of knowledge, the full body of knowledge. And then you end up, failing in an interview. Like I was saying, if you've, if you've got a bunch of certs that you don't have the job experience to back up that you earned them or could actually know them, uh, when, when that comes to an interview, if you haven't put the time to be at that level uh, that the certs say you have, then to me, that's negative. Um, but the, I mean, what's your example of a cert that takes a lot of time to study for more than any others? Because the ones I've studied for that were intro and very wide took me probably more time to study for than the ones that were higher level and based on experience that I could kind of parlay or, or translate my experience in other areas into the ones I was trying to get to. Sorry, it looks like my camera disappeared from our... Yeah, you dropped You dropped for a little bit. Uh, your camera's still off. Uh, I, I'm here, but my camera is gone. And I'm not, and I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, oh, let me okay. see if I can, let me see if I can get it back. Um, here, no, we'll move on. No. Uh, it looks like it has dropped out entirely. Well, they'll have to look at you for, until my <laughs> I'm <camera> sorry. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Um, it, it's coming across in all kinds of weird colors, but it is here. Um, well, I want to look into some thermal compound. I think you're overheating. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with this uh, camera here today. That's, uh, that's but yeah, the, the question I, I was asking. So the for me, the investment in time and stuff that's broad that I don't know um, has been pretty equal to the stuff that was deep that I had some kind of experience and familiarity with. Um, and maybe I'm not counting the experience time that helps me get some through some of those but 
the mid-level ones I've taken, I some of them I've some of them have taken longer for me to study for than than some of the intros, but some have taken about the same time. I, I guess I don't have the same uh, intro that. Well, so you asked me for an example, and I'll give you some examples. Some of the higher-level Azure architecture um, exams, right? They're very broad because there's a lot of moving parts that you have to know. But at the same time, they they dive deep into areas that you maybe wouldn't expect them to, or sometimes they go deep and, and um, you're like, why did it go down this particular rabbit trail? And, okay. and I know why that is because the person crafting the objective domain was a specialist in one area and they, and they <laughs> dove in their own area, right? And, and those questions just happen to get picked. And sometimes it's just the rotation of the questions, but um, it requires you to cover a lot of, of surface area and sometimes go very deep and you don't know which areas they're gonna be deep on. Uh, so it may be that I have to go deep into the um, data architecture uh, piece, right, as opposed to the uh, infrastructure as a service uh, piece that to do that, to slog through all those pieces, to work the study material for each of those areas that you don't know how deep it's going to go requires a lot of time. Right. You have to go in and hands on do that stuff and work through it. You can't just read about it. You've actually got to go in and configure stuff and play with it and, and put it all together and and whatnot. Uh, like, for example, the the things that our friend Drew was showing when uh, the first time he came on with us and was going through some of the setup materials for the uh, data um, warehousing stuff that he was doing. Right. The You wouldn't know it, it from a book. You wouldn't be able to retain that regurgitate it on a test. you got to go in and do that. Right. Hands on uh, and mm -hmm. play with it. So that takes time um, to do. And it's a serious time commitment, even though there may only be, let's call it 80 questions on a test, you may have to study for 800. Okay. Right. And that just, it requires a lot of time. If I wanted to sit down and take these certifications right now, I don't know how I would even allocate time to do it. Yeah. With the, so it sounds like there are different certs that have different breadths of body of knowledge and different levels of detail in those body of knowledge that they expect you to go to. Um, the, the last, so I have two different experiences with the last two certifications I took from, from Salesforce, the data architecture and the sharing and visibility management. Data architecture was very conceptual and you could learn those concepts and have not had to have an engineering background in implementing those on platform, which to me would have been a much longer haul um, than understanding the concepts and being able to strategize around uh, known data architecture principles. And the same data architecture principles apply to Salesforce as they do to Azure SQL and, um, and AWS. Now, on the other hand, the, the uh, sharing and visibility had a heavy skew in where is this checkbox? And on this page, how many of these things show up? And you would have had to go in and memorize the, mm -hmm. the pathway and execution, the engineering component of it. And that made it need to be a, a much deeper, it may have been a narrower focus, but it was a lot deeper trail. And I would say it was not as good of an architect certification because the architect doesn't necessarily have to have had the engineering background to take those. So just another fly in our ointment for our conversation <laughs> of all of this, it depends thing. Well, let's, so let's move on to benefits um, here. Uh, you know, are they, our question is, are they really worth it? What, what do you expect to get out of a certification? Uh, 
And the bullet points that came up when I started just doing a quick search on this, the first and foremost one is, is everyone expects them to get more money. If I get a certification, I expect to make more money uh, than I'm making now. Um, I think that's probably true for the most part. If you're in the lower and middle tiers that um, it can certainly help you lever up into a better position maybe than you have now by establishing that you've made that investment in time and have that knowledge, which leads to the second point, right? Which it's proof of knowledge, right? You may have the experience, but you can't really prove it. Um, so the certification to a certain degree, you know, says that and gives you some bargaining power in that discussion to say, um, hey, you're looking at three candidates. I have these three certifications. I've done this and that, um, you know, I, taking the other side of that trade and going on the hiring manager table. I, I don't know that I would agree with that bargaining position, but I think it's there and people articulate that they that's an expectation. Um, that they have. I know at least in the Microsoft space that there are certain levels of certification you have to have in your staff to be part of certain partner programs. Uh, and so that uh, need is certainly there. Uh, and it may, you know, as a vendor or a contractor, give you a competitive advantage against other people in the space who don't um, have them. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, either real or perceived benefits that certification gets you? Um, so you? kind of the increased salary uh, links to the competitive advantage for me. So um, my biggest goal is to have certifications to differentiate me when I need it, uh, which would be layoffs happen. If a layoff happens, I want something to bring my resume up to the top. Mm -hmm. And so I am more getting certifications to prove and maintain the level that I'm at so that when something happens, I have an easier transition and I spend less time with no salary. So as opposed to getting more salary, I, mo I most want to make sure that I can prove or have something to back up and something that puts me on the search list uh, to maintain salary. I'm not usually going for more and I'm not trying to, you know, there's an occasion uh, that there's a new technology, it, you know, it's a career changer every decade or so. I want to go work on that because I'm tired of this and I have to go learn something from net new. And there's an increased salary aspect of that, that that's why I want to go work on it. And that would make me invest the all the extra time to learn the complete new platform and go achieve something that's completely alien to my day to day. Uh, to go get that. But otherwise, it should be a, a rational amount of investment just to build that, um, that not, it, you know, credential, that background, that job history and knowledge history, and that I'm participating in the, the knowledge eco ecosystem and the cert ecosystem and constantly learning. Those are the things that kind of set, that I use. But again, I'm at a, we're at different parts in our career uh, than a lot of other people, which might just be looking for, um, you know, a job and uh, a salary versus anything else, which I, I think a lot of that, there's, there's just a huge cone of people that are looking for the first job, trying to le leverage certifications versus what, once you've already been in there for a while and, and not in the deluge of people trying to get into a marketplace, uh, different motivations there. Well, I think you bring up a good point though, that, that, one of the benefits here can be new opportunities, right? You're in, yep. a, in a job, you're stuck in some position, you're, you're in a technology stack that that's maybe it's old or, or you're just not interested anymore or whatnot. You're looking to move into a new direction or you're looking to switch careers altogether. Um, then maybe that provides you an, a doorway into a new 
uh, opportunity. Maybe you're not levering up a, a career from step to step to step, as we've kind of been talking about, but you're, you're looking to switch streams, right? Yeah. Um, and, and move over. Maybe, you know, you're a SharePoint person looking to move into Azure or, or you're a Dynamics person looking to move into Salesforce, or you've done neither, right? But yeah. you're, you're a general uh, technology person. And, and now the Salesforce thing is cool and I want to get into it and, and do it. And it's a new opportunity path for you. I think that probably shouldn't be discounted. I don't know that I would say those are the people just looking to get started in a job. Maybe they're older, right? Maybe even our age and looking to switch careers. Well, and even so I, I've, I've seen people older starting new careers and certifications can be that thing that tells you, okay, I'm ready to start investing my time in interviewing for that job. Mm -hmm. I now have achieved a level that that the, the provider says that I know enough. Uh, I have that certification. Now, maybe I'm not trading just on that certification, but that gives me that I've gotten to this point. I'm okay to go start interviewing for that Azure job because the exam says I'm I'm at least at tier one in knowledge. Mm -hmm. Or I feel that I've, I've um, gained enough knowledge that I can at least talk intelligently. Yes, uh, about exactly. it and begin to make my case. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really fair point. Yeah, no, uh, I, so glad you made it. <laughs> uh, I found this list. Uh, now, <laughs> this comes from CIO Magazine. It's actually a relatively recent um, list. Uh, I have my feelings about this, but uh, this listed the most valuable certifications that are out there, and I really only put this down to to have some numbers and as a conversation point for us because I think it's a whole lot of hooey. Um, but uh, I, I think that you can go out and look for these things on, you know, Dice and, and wherever job listing sites, Indeed, what have you, and, and get the numbers all over the map, put them in a spreadsheet, come up with a number. But that doesn't necessarily mean what it really is out in the real world. For, for example, an Azure Solutions Architect expert <laughs> earns, in most cases, way more uh, than 120K. And it depends on what part of the country you're in or, or what country, period, uh, that you're in. But what I what I noticed is that it listed the big ones, of course, Google, AWS, Microsoft, uh, dropped a few in there that that you know I I didn't know CompTIA had a cloud uh, one. I wouldn't know what was on that if I did. But then you pointed out quite rightly so there was nothing on this list about Salesforce. That yeah. seems a bit odd to say the least. And there there's there's Salesforce certifications that span the entire list and then some. I would say the CTA is probably a 220 plus minimum certification. Um, it's very highly sought after right now. Uh, and I think it's it's north of the, the estimate on the, the top of that one at least. Um, and that you can get into all of those ranges with different certs. I think a somebody with a year or two of experience, therefore warranting one of the non-beginner certifications in Salesforce, um, is probably in the the seventy to eighty k kind of at at the starting learning Salesforce maybe a little below it um, a PD one developer probably north of one hundred twenty k um, you know and then and then getting into the different consulting ranges going all across that range so there's a lot of them um, for Salesforce too and I'm I'm surprised that they wouldn't be listed there because as far as the Kool Aid that I'm drinking that said that they're very hot so. Well, and there's uh, obviously, you know, cloud, there's no IBM certifications uh, on here. IBM has a very robust certification path for their um, cloud and, and quite a wide customer base. Uh, so there's plenty of those out there. And, and this doesn't dig into some of the more. Salesforce is a strange one because 
uh, in my mind anyway, because Salesforce is a product, but it's also a platform, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like that sort of SharePoint discussion. But um, there's so many pieces to the Salesforce play that is it its own cloud platform? Well, it kind of is, to be honest. Um, yeah. And so I think it merits entry on, on this kind of list. But I'm sure there's product specific things in other. Uh, yeah, they're, they're all very specific. It, you know, it's just like there's no Microsoft developer certification. It's Microsoft.net developer or SharePoint or BI or R developer. The Salesforce certifications, if they don't have a specificity, they're talking about the core platform. And it, when you, you know, that foundational, that SharePoint WSS version of Salesforce, um, everything else will have a specificity. And then unless it starts talking about data architecture or integration and stuff like that, and then that's its specificity, but it'll, it'll still be, it could be cross-platform and not necessarily product specific. Well, I think one of the things that's dangerous about these lists like this, that there should be a big warning sign flashing on this, <laughs> is that... If you look at this list, you'll go, oh, I need to go become a Google certified professional cloud architect because I'll make the most money um, without it saying, A, what did it cost to get there? B, you're not just going to walk in and you're not going to spend six months studying and become one of those. Right. It takes um, years of experience. You got to have practical hands on knowledge. Right. All these top levels. I can tell you from the Azure perspective, I do Azure every day, day in and day out in a couple of very specific slices of the platform. Right. I, even if I spent a month studying, I couldn't just walk in and take that exam. And I know I've been with the platform since it was first came out. Um, so I know a lot. But the lot that I know is a drop in the bucket compared to everything that it does um, yeah. and all the capabilities and things covered on the test. So um, it, it's not that simple um, to just go in and get these top level ones. I, I would caution people not to just look at that and say, oh, I want to do that. And it may not even fit what you're trying to do for your career. If you're if you're looking at one of these and going, oh, I want to uh, do that. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe uh, security is your. Uh, I, I would say and let me throw this out there and, and we can throw rocks at it. If you're not already plus or minus 20 percent of any of these numbers, that is not going to be a realistic this certification equals this salary for you. Um, the role related to the job that that certification is that would put you in line for or that you're already doing has an average salary of that amount. It is not certification equals salary. You can't go from begin. I, and I've had very disappointed people. There are tons of jobs uh, everywhere that, you know, we coach people for certification. I got the cert. Why am I not getting jobs? Mm. Well, because everybody's doing that and there's a fight for it. And you're, you have the cert, but you don't actually have the job role and experience that warrants the salary target that you're looking for. You're going to have to step yourself up that way through experience on top of that certification. They don't just go one without the other. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I do agree. Uh, hundred percent. I, we could argue whether it's 20% or 30% or even 50%, but I think the, the overall point is valid that you're not going to go from 50 K, right. Unless you're just grossly underpaid, right. To this 175 K. And for those listening on the podcast, we should probably run them down. So Google certified professional cloud architect at 175 K jumps down another Google one. Then there's AWS certified solutions architect, 130 K uh, Microsoft uh, Azure architect expert at only 120 um, K. Funnily enough, Azure Fundamentals at 126, you know this list is messed up. Uh, and, and like we said, Salesforce missing 
um, from it. But if you're uh, earning way below that now, um, the odds that you're going to just be able to jump straight over into that kind of role, unless you're just a really good test taker and you just have photographic memory and you're very good at, you know, regurgitating these things, it, probably slim. And and on the other side of that, if you if you all your experience is self taught, but you got the relevant experience to what that certification says, if you've done, if all your coding has been at home on Notepad and you've learned uh, Dev Chops from uh, uh, at home, it doesn't matter where you got it. If, if you can talk to that and earn the role that goes along with that certification, I you could go from zero to 120 with it as a good developer, regardless of where you're doing it, but not just passing the cert. It has to come with whatever that equivalent experience and being able to execute the job role that goes along with that. It is, it is misleading to say, get the cert, get the salary. Yeah. Um, let's finish up with a thought on that point, because one of the big advantages of the cloud is that it opens up the average, I want to call it basement developer to professional level tools and capabilities. Like you can get an Azure trial um, or I'm sure a Google trial. I know a Google trial because I've done them or an AWS trial. And, and it opens up capabilities that 15 years ago, you never would have had. If you wanted to become a SharePoint developer, you had to have a SharePoint license mm -hmm. right? on a proper server, not a 30 day trial, right? You had to have a proper server. Well, first you had to have the server right? Then you had to get the licensing um, for it. Then you have to have the SQL database and then you got to have this and then you got to have that. Mm -hmm. There was a huge bar to entry. You couldn't do it as a, there was no such thing as a basement SharePoint person. You had to go to work somewhere at an yeah. enterprise or an organization that had those. That's how it was back in the day when we were doing the CCIE um, stuff. But nowadays in the cloud, that field has tremendously been leveled because you can step into those professional tools, right? Most of the tools now are command line that you're using. You just download them and start working with them. You can deploy things to the cloud. You can spin up, uh, you know, these, these um, complex cloud architectures like that. Um, and I think that is tremendously beneficial in bootstrapping people up from the lower levels, at least into the middle or even middle higher tiers Certainly not to the very top level architecture type stuff, but I think that lights a rocket under um, folks to get them. One thousand percent. And I now I'm going to go full on Kool Aid with Sales Salesforce built its free trial tier into its free training. So I most of the stuff I would say ninety percent of the stuff that I've learned to get where I'm at. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to sell Salesforce, but I love the the competition that it brings forward that you need to make it easy for people to learn your platform to engender fanatics and people that have that skill set to enable them to get the jobs that are out there because we've got a deficit. You know, there's a deficit of skills, even in a downturn economy, possibly, we still need more people than we have to fill the roles that are available. And I love the openness of Salesforce to bite-sizing their training and they you can literally bootstrap yourself into that new career and have those online coaches and the gamification. And I've, I'm loving seeing other people uh, follow suit and build that up as well, because I think that's just good for everybody. If learning is easy to acquire, we will have an excess of learned people. And that's not a bad thing. And never a bad thing. Uh, so once again, we're, we're uh, pretty much out of time. A couple of things we want to mention here before we leave off um, from this episode. Uh, we'll be uh, coming out with a new feature. 
uh, probably starting next month or as soon as we can get together and start putting them uh, in place. Uh, Rob Bogue will be joining me uh, for a monthly uh, feature called Winging It, where we'll talk about more of our traditional um, uh, backgrounds for both of us around information management and ECM, certainly SharePoint and Microsoft 365 and, and governance. And uh, there's going to be architecture pieces to it um, as well. Uh, uh, may have some guests, may not. This is just more of a, a discussions around a particular topic. Uh, and we'll be doing more of these type of features. I know Paul's got some ideas for some features that he wants to do um, as well. All part of bringing you just more and more um, content. Uh, some of it you're going to, that fits your uh, area of interest and, and you'll love. Some of it you won't. So you'll tune out for those particular um, features. Uh, but we want to sort of make them self-descriptive to say, this is what you can expect from the winging it. This is what you can expect from, you know, whatever thing Paul does, Architectures Corner or, uh, you know, whatever he wants to do. So uh, Rob and I will be starting those um, here very soon. So look for those to come to our YouTube and podcast channels as well. And we would be remiss, extremely remiss, if we left off this episode without congratulating our, our fellow host uh, on his new book. Uh, that's been released, Practical Salesforce Architecture. Um, he was kind enough to share some of the early chapters uh, with me uh, to review. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, you can uh, grab this from our YouTube channel and get the QR code and go out to O'Reilly.com um, and search for it. But I believe that's mostly available now, Paul, or will be soon. Most of it. I think the first uh, four or five chapters are out there. Um, you know, There's going to be a lot of review process. It's really... Uh, as it says there, it's a, it's early release, and I'm I'm they're kind of publishing it as I'm writing. They're only about a chapter or two behind me. Uh, I think I'm about sixty percent done with the content, and I've got to go back and polish it and uh, add some more diagrams. But hopefully, it is a good. Uh, I'm writing it to be a decoder ring for people from other platforms to get a handle on what the Salesforce ecosystem. So trying to describe Salesforce in terms of Azure or trying to describe Salesforce in terms of a server closet or AWS or Google and try and make those, Salesforce has a heavy habit of, uh, of rebranding things to where they don't sound quite like the thing they were born from. Um, and so I'm trying to, to build that decoder so that everybody, that we can have more multi-cloud architects um, and each one understand each piece, even through the veil of, of heavy branding and architecture. Yeah, and I can tell everyone from my experience, I, even though we have products in the Salesforce space and I write code on, on the Salesforce platform, um, I don't know diddly squat really about um, Salesforce. And the, the chapters that I read were very helpful in, in helping me to conceptualize um, what those are. The diagrams were great in helping to put that together and for me to get the concepts um, down so that I understand more of the things when I'm talking to customers that they're talking to us uh, about because some of it, honestly, I just don't know what they're talking about um, specific to, to the platform and how these things go together. And, and the writing style is very comfortable and laid back. It's not overly you know dense. Technically, it moves at a fast pace. Uh, the, this is a great book, and I would recommend that folks uh, interested in um, Salesforce. Uh, it's, not, it's not a how-to guide. Um, it, it's really a, a um, maybe how-to-think guide. Yeah. Seeing, seeing Salesforce in enterprise architecture component blocks. This is your database. This is your server. And this is where these concepts line up. And they call it this. And sometimes it's that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I, hope it's, uh, I hope it makes for a good, easy, just walk into it and have a nice, friendly, non, 
you know, it, it starts conceptual and, and goes to a certain technical level and then hops to some other conceptual stuff. So I hope it helps people. Thanks. Well, for the good news is you don't have to wait till it's done. You can hop over <laughs> that now and get it and follow along in Paul's uh, journey um, as he uh, puts the rest of the book together. So again, congratulations, my friend, uh, on that release. Really good stuff. Uh, so with that, uh, we're going to wrap up uh, this month's episode. Uh, we will be back with a sort of end of the year episode. Uh, as we normally do, uh, uh, sort of looking back on 2022, uh, just like we did last year. So look for that next month uh, coming to you. I want to thank our sponsors again, Aptogen, uh, Bifocal. Jason couldn't be with us uh, this month. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Paul runs the Dallas Salesforce developer uh, group. So you can jump on and check that. out. I think you've got a, a social event coming up. I'm, I'm yeah. going to try and make that one in December. Yeah, please do. Yeah, we're, we're partnering with all the other Dallas uh, Salesforce user groups. Um, architects invited, uh, come register and, and having a hangout at, uh, Sherlock's pub in Addison on December 14th. So quite, quite a few partners there. A lot of people to meet. should be fun. Excellent. So with that, we're going to wrap up uh, this month's episode. Thank you all for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you next month.